Exciting episode of The Rock Show, episode 163, The Saint. And this show is sponsored by who, Mike? Park Dental in Richmond Hill, Queens. Uh, great dentist, doesn't hurt, takes all insurances, uh, gets, you, gets you an appointment quick. I've been going to this guy for about 26 years. Uh, Park Dental, Richmond Hill, Queens. Not bad, not bad, Mike. So today we're doing a weird thing that we haven't done. We're doing four. Australian bands for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was thinking about our fans in Australia. Uh, we do very well there. Um, in New Zealand and Australia, the show does good. So I figured let's, you know, give a shout out to them and, and do some shows for bands that they probably know a lot more about than American people do. So it's, you know, it, it, I'm doing it for them, you know, and these bands I think are very important to the Australian scene, which kind of gets a little left out in the history of, of rock and roll. Are we doing men at work? <laughs> no. <Damn> no. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't I just can't take them seriously. I'm sorry, man. I don't know. I know that's like the first record you ever bought, right? Or something? Cargo? Yeah, we come for the land of under. <laughs> that was a great album, man. What the hell are you talking about? Nah. Cargo. Cargo was well, one of the greatest Australian albums ever. No, well, it def listen, it, it was hugely popular. You know, you couldn't get away from it at the time. But what I want to talk about is the Saints. Um, All right. The Saints, uh, sadly, uh, uh, Chris Bailey, the singer, passed away this year. Uh, he was living in the Netherlands for a long time, and they announced a few months ago that he he passed away. Gave no reason. Uh, not sure what happened to him, but he was only in his late sixties, so something must have happened to him. Guy, you know, rest in peace. But you know, when people talk about the punk scene, they usually talk about what was going on in New York, and also what was going on simultaneously in in England. What gets left out of the mix is that there was this, uh, another scene going on simultaneously in Australia, uh, mostly based around Brisbane, uh, Melbourne, and Sydney. And bands like the Saints, uh, Radio Birdman is is one we're going to be talking about next week, uh, a bunch of other bands mixed in there um, that kind of gets lost in the history of what was going on in the, in the 70s. When I'm talking about the, the early 70s, I'm talking about like proto-punk kind of kind of bands 
bands that existed like just a couple of years before that 1976 date of which everybody considers the birth of punk rock and all that. Uh, bands like um, the Ramones and Patti Smith and, and, you know, in England, the Sex Pistols started around 75. So, you know, it, it, it kind of gets the Australian scene kind of gets forgotten, but the saints had the very first punk record ever released in England. Uh, it was before the damned, the damned are often cited as the first punk single, uh, but they, they're the first UK punk single band, you know, yeah. UK band, but a little bit before them, a few months before you had the saints and the saints were from Australia. Um, they came from Brisbane which was a very blue collar kind of kind of town, um, very conservative leaning. They had a, a, a mayor that was tyrannical, um, kind of like a Christian fundamentalist. The parents didn't tolerate uh, kids with long hair. The police were tough on on the on the teenagers. Uh, you know, they would get hassled just for having long hair or. You know, if there was a club with music, they would just come in and shut them down for no reason. And, you know, the Saints kind of came out of out of this this scene, this antagonistic kind of kind of city where, you know, they just didn't tolerate any kind of counterculture among the kids. Uh, it was very blue collar town, Brisbane. Um, now, the original members of the band are Chris Bailey, Ivor Hay. And and Ed Cooper, uh, Evo Hay was on drums, Ed Cooper on guitar. Now their influences were basically 1950s rock and roll stuff like Elvis and Little Richard. Yeah. Originally though, they were called Kid Galahad and the Eternals, kind of a very 1950s sounding kind of name. <laughs> well, it, it, there's actually a story behind it because if you, if you remember the um uh. I think it's 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 kid kid uh, kid Creole the Elvis movie. Yeah, I think he's I, I think he's called Kid Galahad in that. He's like a boxer, right? And um, other influences, of course, on top of the 1950s stuff was the MC5 and Iggy and the Stooges, the stuff like that. that. Bands like bands like Slade and Sweet, okay, were very popular and and very influential to this early band called the Saints. Now, um, they, they would get that name by 1974. So they would be a year as Kid Galahad and the Eternals and then change their name to the Saints after the Leslie uh, Charteris books. You might remember the Roger Moore TV show, yeah, The, the Saints. Saint yeah, that's where they got it from. Okay, that's, you know, there's been different people that's played The Saint over the years, but Roger Moore is probably the most famous. They the did a movie and that guy that played... Um... The Val Kilmer? About Kimmel, yeah. Oh, Kimmel played it, yeah, yeah. Um, they started out basically being a covers band. They would do like heavy versions of of Ike and Tina Turner, uh, heavy versions of of fifties uh, artist Del Shannon, who did Runaway. Uh, but they, you know, they 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 played these songs so fast and so heavy that it was almost like non recognizable what they were doing. Um, Jeffrey Wegener would soon join on drums and Evo Hay would switch to the bass. They didn't have a bass player at first. Uh, so they would, he would make that switch. Uh, that would be in 1975. But then 
Haywood revert back to drums as they added Kim Bradshaw on bass guitar instead. Uh, just like their contemporaries, the Ramones in New York City at the time, the Saints were employing like buzzsaw guitar sounds and fast tempos that really was characteristic of, of very early punk rock. Uh, Cooper has often said that the fast speeds that they played were because of them being nervous on stage. <laughs> they just wanted to get through it. Okay, oh, yeah. they, had, they had kind of like stage fright. Uh, now, again, I'm going to mention the police in Brisbane often broke up gigs, and the Saints were not, you know, exempt from that. Uh, early Saints gigs sometimes had violence. Sometimes the police caused the violence, okay? And uh, frequently there would be arrests. So they were having a problem booking gigs at all, okay? Uh, Bailey and Hay decided to convert their house that they were living in into a place called the 76 Club. And this way they had somewhere to play. Okay, so that's what, that happened a lot. Uh, we're going to talk about it, about Radio Birdman as well. Uh, that happened a lot in Australia where people would just open up their own clubs because they couldn't, you know, get anywhere to play. There'd just be too much violence or they would just get refused. Um, many uh, claim that, that, that uh, the style of the Saints, those early years, were really just defined by Cooper's frenetic guitars and Bailey's snarling kind of vocals that he had so that's that's what was attractive there was something different to them now in june of 76 the saints recorded two self-produced tracks uh the first was called i'm stranded and the flip side was called no time and that was with uh mark moffett was the engineer on that record the label for both tracks claimed that it was the songs were produced by the saints uh, the, the label on the record. Now, they formed their own label called Fatal Records, Fatal, and independently released that debut single on their own. Um, they had also a, uh, a promotion company called Eternal Promotions, and they sent the discs to radio stations and magazines, basically, in Australia, just to try to get attention. Um, in the UK a small label called Power Exchange released the single in the UK. And Sounds Magazine, which was very popular, you had New Musical Express and you had Sounds. Yeah. Okay. They declared it the single of the week and every other week moving forward. Okay. So they loved that song. Um, they caught the attention of EMI, major record label, and that directed uh, they directed that the band – be signed to a three-record deal. Wow. Okay. That was quick. Now, right. That was very quick. Just based on that one single, it was very popular. Okay. And uh, they also had a little help from our, our buddy, uh, John Peel. Okay. John Peel, we've talked about him. We did a show on him. He, yeah. pops up, he pops up in a lot of people's histories. He definitely helped the Saints out. Because he probably played the album on, on air. But well, they didn't have an album yet, but they had the single. You know, and so you had an A and B side, and he was playing the hell out of it. Mike, do you realize these guys stayed together into 2022, but they had 36 band changes? And we're going to talk about that. That's, That's crazy, yeah. There's a lot of people went in and out of this band. Um, you know, I kind of 
when I think of the Saints, I think of probably the first couple of years, the first two, three albums, okay? And, and, and then afterwards, they were kind of a different kind of band. Uh, we'll talk about that. But uh, right now, we're just getting into this, you know, they're starting to pick up steam. Yeah. They get signed by EMI, and they got a three-record deal. Now, over two days in December of 1976, the Saints recorded the first LP, which was called I'm Stranded, named after the single. Um, there was a guy named Rod Coe, who was the producer. And you had uh, another band that was very popular in Australia. It was called The Missing Links, and they covered one of their songs called Wild About You. The album ended up coming out in February of 77, and the band went on tour right before the release in December of 76 and into early 77. They went on tour with ACDC. Wow. Okay, around the Sydney, Australia area. Um, EMI would reissue the single, I'm Stranded, in February of 77, and it reached the Kent Music Report Top 100 Singles Chart in Australia. Okay, now the Kent, the Kent charts is kind of like Billboard or, you know, that kind of thing. The Saints did not really like the English punk scene. They did not fit in with it very well. Uh, they kind of didn't want to be uh, kind of remodeled. EMI was trying to get them to be the Sex Pistols, dress outrageously. Uh, they were they were long hair guys. They weren't like short crop dye your hair kind of guys. Uh, they didn't get into all that. They didn't even consider themselves punk rock, really. Okay, they they kind of just rock and roll. Just rock and roll, which punk rock is. But they weren't into the whole you know anarchy and breaking shit and causing outrageousness. They just wanted to play, and they had this opportunity because in England they became very popular. Now. Um, what was happening in Australia, though, would, would really kind of mess them up because in Australia, the way the punk scene in England was portrayed was that it was a bunch of anarchists that were evil and violent and you don't want your kids to call themselves punk rockers. This music yeah. needs to be stopped, you know, this kind of stuff. Australia was a very conservative place back then i think it still has a streak of that now but not as much but um they they they, they basically uh couldn't play okay and any band that was in that scene was having problems if they had any link to the british scene at all um so in may of 77 their second single called erotic neurotic was released and the band decided to move to england Okay, because even though they didn't like the punk scene, they didn't want to get into that, at least they could get gigs and play through Europe. In Australia, it was very difficult. Um, but another problem would pop up where they started to really clash with EMI over the direction of the band. EMI wanted them to, you know, dress like the damned or dress like the Sex Pistols, and they really didn't yeah. want to have that image. Okay. They were more of a downbeat kind of image, more just like listen to the music, don't don't pay attention what we look like kind of thing, you know. Mike, these guys were actually um, guys that could play, guys, like a lot of those other punk bands. I, no, that's true. That, yeah, 
play the instruments. <laughs> no, they, they were right. I mean, you know, the guys in the Saints were, were pretty good musicians and, uh, you know, self-taught pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, as opposed to some of the other bands on the British scene that were less, you know, had less musicianship, um, even the Sex Pistols, you know, once Sid Vicious was in the band, it was obvious he couldn't play bass, you know, but in the, in the Saints... They, they, they had good guys playing. Now, in June of 77, bass guitarist Alice Dare, also known as Algie Ward, replaced Bradshaw. Okay, so they had another lineup change. Their next single was called This Perfect Day, and it was released in July. It got to number 34 in the UK. Uh, and the reason it only, it would have gotten higher. The reason it didn't go higher than 34 was because EMI didn't anticipate a big hit and didn't print enough copies didn't make enough copies wow. of the record. Now, many people in the punk scene in the 70s got burned this way. Uh, they could have had much bigger top 10, maybe number one singles if the company made the record available. Okay, it happened to Johnny Thunders. Okay, when, when Johnny Thunders in 78 made You Can't Put Your Arms Around a Memory, the, the single you know, was starting to take off even in America and you couldn't find it because the label didn't make enough copies. So I, 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 that kills the record when that happens. Yeah. That messed up the whole thing. It's ridiculous. You didn't make enough copy. Give me a break. Yeah. You know, it's just to me, that's, you know, it's a cop out. They probably just didn't want to spend the money. Um, now the saints released their second album called eternally yours in May of 78. Yep. on EMI. Now, EMI had relegated them to the Harvest label, okay? Still part of EMI. Now, if you remember, Harvest was kind of their... R&B? Uh, no, no, kind of like their progressive, like Sid Barrett from the from Pink Floyd in the early 70s. Oh, wow. I think he might he was one of the first people on Harvest. Uh, Harvest, to me, from what I can see by the people that were on it, they were kind of like the bands that EMI didn't know what to do with. All right. And and they, they put this them on this subsidiary label. Uh, they still got the, the same amount of distribution, but you know, it, it, it's kind of like being relegated to the to the kitty table. You know, you're not just on EMI. So um, that record was released with Chris Bailey and, and Cooper producing. Now the album showed more of a shift to R&B in some of that sound. Yeah. Okay. This was a band uh, that was not interested in sounding the same all the time. They wanted to evolve and they would pretty much with every record. Okay. Yeah. Um, they, 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 you know, they had a couple of, there was a track called know your product, which is one of their best songs. And it has a, a, a brass section in it, like from a soul band. Okay. Um, that album got released. That that song got released as a single as well in February of '78, right prior to the album coming out. Uh, another track called "Private Affair" had a, a theme, a lyrical theme through it, where they were complaining about punk rock and commercialism and how they didn't want to be put pigeonholed, okay, into the punk rock. Uh, this album went top 100 in Australia. So despite the the sort of ban on these these kinds of bands in Australia, they, they, they were selling. 
Okay, they, they managed to crack the top 100. The jazz blues influenced third record, Prehistoric Sounds, yeah. followed in October 1978. It was a commercial failure, uh, different kind of sound for them. Uh, again, they had a lot of uh, brass and you know stuff like that on it. Um, it made you know because of the failure of it, EMI dropped them that year. Okay, so in '78, also the relationship between Chris Bailey and Cooper had deteriorated to a point where they really didn't want to work together anymore. Uh, Bailey wanted the band to stay in kind of a a rock and roll mode, okay, uh, that kind of direction. But Cooper wanted to go in a more avant-garde, intellectual kind of direction, okay. Yeah. And by early 79, the band would just be dismantled. And uh, Hay, Cooper, and Ward would leave, okay. Cooper would move back to Australia, and he would start – the more avant-garde band Laughing Clowns, interesting, oh, yeah. interesting band, yeah. uh, which would feature a lot more brass-oriented recordings, uh, a lot of horns and saxophones and things like that. And to this day, uh, he is known as as one of Australia's like greatest musicians of all time. Okay, he has a very uh, high regard. He's highly regarded among musicians, and you know the culture of Australia you know, appreciates him. He also started a band called the Aints, not the Saints, the Aints. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And they were kind of like a band that uh, would play Saint songs that didn't really get played much live. And Cooper felt that, you know, should have been more out there. Okay. So he was kind of like doing Saint songs that he would sing. Okay. Now to this day, uh, Oh, excuse me. I mean, his, he, you know, he had something like Cooper has something like 20 solo albums under his belt. Um, Chris would 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 re, 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 um, he would he would reform the state, the Saints quickly. OK, with Mark Birmingham on drums, Bruce Calloway on guitar, Janine Hall on bass. And this lineup would kind of bring in the new decade of the 1980s. So it was now it's really Chris Bailey's band. Now you, know, you want to hear so something funny The New York's the, the, the New Orleans saints, where they're not doing good. They called it the Aints. The Aints. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird coincidence. Okay. I can see that reference, how it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, um, the saints first release after Cooper's departure was a live EP called Paralytic Tonight. Uh, Paralytic Tonight, Dublin Tomorrow was the, the whole title. It came out in March of 1980 on Lost Records. Bailey was producing it. Uh, it was then followed by a studio album called The Monkey Puzzle, which was co-produced by Bailey and Jerry Nixon for Mushroom Records. Okay, so they're kind of like jumping from label to label, whatever they can get. Yeah, uh, that came out in '81, and it managed to reach the top 100 on the Australian album charts. So it did very well. Yeah, uh, they had shifted to a more like pop rock kind of sound. 
Uh, it included uh, Ivor Hay was back in the lineup playing keyboards, okay, from the original band. Uh, Hay, though, would leave again by 1982, um, the, right before the, uh, the album, I Thought This Was Love, But This Ain't Casablanca. That was the name of the album. That's a great album. Yeah, and that, again, they were on Mushroom Records with that one. Uh, it was also released on the new, the French New Rose label, um, and it was called Out in the Jungle, Where Things Ain't So Pleasant. Okay? So different title, but the same album. Yeah. Um, it's funny, the, 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 rec- the production recording uh, credit, the production credit goes to a, a guy named... Ricardo Mentalbon, Mentalbon, M-E-N-T-A-L-Bon. I think that was that might have been uh, somebody's pseudonym. Okay, so Bailey, if I know Ricardo Mentalbon, yeah, they call him Mentalbon. Ricardo. Mentalbon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this lineup consisted uh, of uh, Janine Hall on bass, so they they switched bass players again and got a female bass player. Um, they had a guy named Ian Shedden on drums. Uh, additional musicians on this album included Roger uh, Crank Williams on saxophone and clarinet, uh, Denis Haynes on piano, Paul Neiman on trombone, Steve Sidwell on trumpet, and Jess Sutcliffe on piano. They also brought in the damned Brian James on lead guitar for a couple of tracks. So they, they, you know, they're kind of like an ensemble now, yeah. pretty much. Now, in late '82, the group would tour Australia with Chris Bailey, Hall, Shedden, and they were joined by Chris Burnham on guitar and Laurie Cuff also on guitar. In '83, Chris Bailey released his first solo record uh, on Casablanca. Uh, excuse me, it was called Casablanca, just Casablanca. On, and that was on New Rose, the French yeah, label. New Rose, another record, record company they're working with. Yeah, well, that's a, a French label that, that a lot of bands would, would work with. I know that the Cramps released a lot of things in the 80s on New Rose. They're, they're very good for, uh, for, the, for the European market. And they're named after a damn song, New Rose. Okay. In 84, Bailey was based in Sydney. He went back to Australia. And the Saints album called A Little Madness... To Be Free, uh, was released in July on RCA Records, okay? And that was a production done, credited to Lorax Debris. Lorax Debris was Chris Bailey. It just was a pseudonym that he was using. Uh, (laughs) It it contained the popular track Ghost Ships, which was issued as a single that May. Uh, A Little Madness To Be Free was a little more rock-oriented, um, with extensive use of acoustic guitars, brass, and strings, set among tightly focused arrangements. Now, um, in mid of mid '84, the band would tour as Bailey Burnham Shedden, Tracy Pugh on bass guitar, formerly of the band The Birthday Party with Nick Cave. Uh, she was briefly replaced by Cooper, who came back in July just for a little while. And in 1985, the Saints again would be Bailey, Richard Bergman on guitar, and Arturo Archie Larissa on bass guitar, while Louise Elliott was on sax and Jeffrey Wegener was on drums, completing 
the lineup um, for the live album Live in a Mud Hut somewhere in Europe. <laughs> okay, record. I was recorded in 1984, and the production was given to Mugumbo. Mugumbo produced that record, another yeah. pseudonym, I'm sure. <laughs> and that was released on New Rose in 1985. All right, so here's a good time to take a little commercial break and pay the bills. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back, everybody, to The Rock Show. And here we're talking about The Saints. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rocker Mike, and that guy right there is Rob Rossi. So we're talking about The Saints. Um, they had just released a live album in 1985 called Live in a Mud Hut. Now, Hay would return and work with Bailey Bergman and the and uh, La Rusa. The group would record All, All Fool's Day in Wales with Hugh Jones producing. And it was issued again on Mushroom Records. They were back with them uh, in Australia. And Polydor would pick them up in the U.S. in April of 86 and release that record. The album reached top 30 in Australia. Wow. And it included the top 30 single, Just Like Firewood. Okay, Firewood, like W-O-U-L-D, like Firewood. Okay. The group would join the Australian Made Tour. Okay, that was the name of a tour that was going on in December of 86 through January of 87. He was playing, uh, Chris Bailey and the Saints were playing with Mental As Anything, uh, the band called I'm Talking, The Divinals, very cool band from that time, The Models, Jimmy Barnes, and also In Excess. In Excess wow. was one of the most popular Australian bands ever. Yeah. Um, the next album would be called Prodigal Son, and it followed in April of 88, which reached a top 50. They're doing very well in Australia, okay? The lineup was Bailey, Francis, Larissa, Shedden, and Joe Chiafalo was playing on organ. Uh, it was produced by Chris Bailey, Brian McGee, and Vanda and Young. Vanda and Young is, well, the young part of Vanda and Young is George, is George Young, Mal you know, Malcolm and Angus is young, Young's older brother from ACDC. Wow. Okay. He was in the Easy Beats, which in the 60s were a hugely popular Australian band. They sing that song, Friday on My Mind. Okay, remember that song, Friday on My Mind? Yeah. Yeah. So 
The single called Grain of Sand from the Prodigal Son album peaked at number one on the U.S. Billboard Alternative Charts, okay, in 88. And in March of 89, the Saints had an Australian top 40 hit with the Easy Beats song, Music Goes Round My Head, okay, which was also featured in the 1988 film Young Einstein. Uh, their version of that song also really also reached uh, number nineteen on the U.S. Alternative Songs chart. You remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, it was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a comedy. Yeah. So, so these guys are actually having pretty good success, and they're doing very well, and they're starting to crack the alternative charts in the United States, uh, which that is great. Good. It, you remember in the 80s, that's when bands like this really were given a shot in the United States, okay? When they started this alternative music chart and stuff like that, it was it was definitely bringing attention to bands that, you know, you never would have heard of because they couldn't crack the top 200 of the Billboard. Yeah. I guarantee you these guys are probably in 120 minutes if you talk. Oh, yeah. No, no. They used to play the Saints, this, this era of the Saints. You know, they didn't play I'm Stranded on 120 minutes, oh, but no. they played... They played this era, which was a little more, you know, mellow kind of music. It wasn't as punk. Now, and for to reach um, number nineteen in the U.S. alternative, that's that's pretty good, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, it was it was because they divided this music up that they were able to get some of these bands' attention. Now, the Saints that year uh, in 1990, they would come out with a compilation album called "Songs of Salvation." and sin songs of salvation and sin uh 1976 through 1988 so it was a very like all-encompassing greatest hits it came out on raven records with liner notes penned by glenn a baker no relation to me but he was a australian rock journalist okay now over the years cooper had grown unhappy about bailey's ongoing use of the saint's name so this was a problem between Cooper and Bailey. Cooper felt, listen, you, you got to stop using that name, okay, because he felt that he had a lot to do with the band as well, and and, and Bailey was getting all the, you know, all the glory. Um, in April of 91, Cooper formed the Inks. We mentioned that before. Yeah. And they would perform classic Saints material. Uh, the Saints issued... Uh, an album then called Permanent Revolution in 1991 on Mushroom Records again. And while Bailey released solo albums, the group itself kind of went into hiatus after this record was released. But you had the Aints out there, you know, playing some of the music. By 1994, Bailey had moved to Sweden, where he recorded a solo album called 54 Days at Sea. And in 1996, they issued another Saints record called Howling, which was produced by the band for Blue Rose Records. Not New Rose, Blue Rose. Okay, and Bailey provided vocals, guitar, and organ and was joined, joined by Andrew Johnville on drums, Joachim Tack on bass guitar, Ian Walsh on guitar, and Mons Weislander on guitar. The yeah. group, the gr yeah, another lineup. Now, the group turned Australia, uh, they toured Australia in February of 1997. And it was the first time they had toured there in about eight years. Okay. Uh, the Everybody Knows the Monkey album would follow in 1998 on Last Call Records with Bailey 
Uh, you had Michael Bayless on bass guitar, Martin Bijeregardo on drums, and Andy Faulkner on guitar. Uh, it was produced again by Bailey and a guy named Martin Hennelli. Now, Mushroom Records would celebrate their 25th anniversary with the Mushroom 25 live concert in November of 1988. Bailey performed the song Ghost Ships and Just Like Firewood and did a duet with Paul Kelly on Wide Open Road as a tribute to David McComb of the Triffids. Triffids were another popular Australian band. Uh, the, the album Spit the Blues Out was issued in 2000 in France by Last Call Records with production credited going to Debris, again, that being, uh, being Chris Bailey. Uh, it displayed 60s-era blues, rock, and British pop influences with Patrick Mathy of the French New Rose label producing and on harmonica and guitar, okay? Now, on September 11th, 2001, which 9-11, yeah. the, original, the original lineup of the Saints came together for a one-off reunion when the writer Clinton Walker, a longtime friend and champion of the band, inducted them into the Australian Recording Industry Association Hall of Fame. So that's kind of like the Australian Rock and Roll Hall of Fame they were put in. Uh, honestly, uh, I, I've heard stories that Bailey and Cooper and they, they had no idea why they were getting put into this because they really didn't sell, you know, they, they weren't huge they, though, though they were doing better, you know, in, in, in the eighties, but really they were blackballed in the seventies, but now Australia was trying to make it up to them. Make I guess. Up, yeah. Yeah. You know, so by 2005, the group would uh, relocate to Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Uh, Bailey was in the lineup, of course, singing and guitar. Uh, Marty Wilson Piper, okay, who was formerly in the church, which is an Australian band we're going to talk about in a few weeks, yep. uh, on drums. And they issued Nothing Is Straight In My House in 2005. And after Wilson Piper left, he would leave the band. They released an album called Imperious Delirium in 2006. They undertook a European tour to promote it and continued to tour America through late 2007. And they hadn't been here in a while, too. At yeah. that point. On July 14, 2007, Bailey, Cooper, and Hay reunited for a one-off gig at the Queensland Music Festival. That's in Australia. With current member... Wisenberg on bass guitar. In January of 2009, as part of the All Tomorrow's Parties Touring Festival, uh, in this instance, it was curated by Mick Harvey, formerly of the Birthday Party. He was organizing this. Uh, the Saints with Bailey, Hay, Cooper, and Larissa played shows in Brisbane, Sydney, and in the uh, Mount Buller section of Victoria. This was followed by a Melbourne show on January 14 as part of the Don't Look Back Sideshow concerts where they performed the I'm Stranded album in, there in, in its entirety. That's wow. very cool. Wish I, I wish I could see that. Um, in 2010, the band would return again as a three-piece with Wilkinson returning as the drummer to the lineup and in addition of new bassist Jane Mack. 
he likes to get a lot of girl bass players, right? So in May 2010, Cooper and Bailey reunited for a month-long residency series of shows in Brisbane, also in Sydney and Melbourne, with Cooper on electric guitar and vocals and Bailey on acoustic guitar, bass, and vocals. They played a selection of songs from the early Saints, both, both of their solo careers they played songs from, and post-Cooper Saints, as well as a few covers. So they were kind of like on stage together, okay, doing this like as a two-piece. 2012 saw the recording of the album King of the Sun. The album was recorded at the Trackdown Studios in Sydney, where Bailey had previously recorded Savage Entertainment. Uh, that was released in Australia late in 2012. And King of the Sun was delayed the release in European countries up until April of 2013. So it didn't come out for about another year. On November 7th, 2013, the Saints appeared as a four-piece at the Borderline Club in London. Wow. Alongside Bailey was Starworth, Saints, Barrington, France, Francis and Peter Wilkinson. These guys had been in and out of the band for years. The band was augmented with Chris Dunn also on keyboards. They added an extra keyboard player. In 2021, the State Library of Queensland named its copy of I'm Stranded as one of their treasures from its John Oxley Library, uh, citing, citing that the, the seven-inch original vinyl single put out by the band uh, as a piece of Australian and Queensland musical history. Damn. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of good... That's like historical facts right there. Yeah. Right? You know, artifacts. Um, and, you know, sadly, uh, Chris Bailey would pass away this year on April 9th uh, at age 65 in the Netherlands where he was living for a long time. And that, unfortunately, has ended the band forever. Damn. So that's the Saints. Um, a band I think everybody should check out, at least their first two, three records. Definitely. Uh, after that, it, it, to me, it gets a little spotty, uh, but they do have a lot of fans that like that latest stuff. Uh, check them out. They're very important to the, the rock and roll history and proto-punk, okay, what would become punk. Um, they never consider themselves a punk band, but nah, they got lumped so. in with it. And... Uh, they would they would eventually be recognized by their own country, and I think that's great. You know what the thing is? They also went to a lot of record labels. I guess that's the way that was the price of doing business, right? You know, I think they had the uh, the popularity enough to keep going. Yeah, and, and and they can always get a label signed to them. Oh, they could sign to a label, I should say. Yeah. Okay, but I think that they probably you know Chris Bailey was one of these guys. I think just you know. He did things his way. And on these major labels, you, you're rarely going to get that kind of ability. Okay. Yeah. Look how they were with EMI. Uh, they, were yeah. selling, they were selling well, but EMI was giving them a hard time trying to change their image. They just did not want to do that. Yeah, they were. And also, I don't think EMI knew what to do with them anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, EMI signed the Sex Pistols for about two days and then paid them off to get rid of them. All right, they, they didn't know what to do with them. So, <laughs> remember that? Oh yeah. Yep. yep. So, all right. So this was the the, the first show of four that we're going to be talking about the uh, great Australian bands of the seventies and eighties. 
And uh, we did the Saints this week, and next week will be Radio Birdman. So what's your uh, what's your social your social media handles, Rob? But that so will be in two you. weeks. Remember, the Rock Show is every other week. Oh, I forgot. Every other week with the Rock Show. Excuse me. Yeah, so um, so my handle is uh, Getty Lumped Up. You look up Getty Lumped Up. You'll find it on Facebook, YouTube, and um, Instagram and Twitter. So hit me, uh, hit me up there. What is your – how can people find you, uh, Mike? Oh, you can find me anywhere. Uh, lately, I've been in my backyard getting lumped up. But, but if you want me on social media – uh, I'm on Facebook under Rocco Mike, Rocco Mike. And then you have the Rock Show podcast group page on Facebook. You could find me on Instagram under Rocker Mike 212. You could find me on Twitter, also Rocker Mike 212. You could find me as Rocker Mike on MeWe, Clout Hub, Getter, and Truth Social. I'm everywhere. Rocker Mike. Everywhere, everywhere. So, Mike, thank you for another wonderful show. And this show was sponsored again by... Park Dental of Richmond Hill, Queens. In Queens, baby. Make sure you go to Richmond, Queens, and get your teeth clean for he takes all insurances. And you can have a great smile by the end of the day. And he doesn't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) So, people, don't remember, don't get drunk. Get lumped up. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks, people. The only podcast you will hear That will be music to your ear You'll learn about bands you love or may not know it's only here on The Rock Show